passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads from the eye of the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. Welcome to the Seattle Overload podcast where we're continuing our guest preview series. It's week two. Forget what happened in week one, uh, although that may be slightly relevant. And to preview the Seahawks uh, game versus the Detroit Lions, I'm joined by the perfect person to to preview this. Uh, Sports Info Solutions R&D analyst Bryce Rossler. He has eviscerating sharpness on Twitter, at BT Rossler, always an entertaining follow. But more importantly... Uh, top lad, good friend, a much better Overwatch player than me, although that isn't uh, hard. Um, and even more important, a huge Detroit Lions fan, Bryce. You got most of it right until the very last bit. I, I follow the Lions, yes. Would not consider myself a huge fan. That's right, because in your bio it says reformed Homer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the reformation uh, obviously, the Lions are the complete opposite of the Seattle Seahawks right now. They went into Kansas City. They beat the Super Bowl champion, whereas the Seahawks, after their second half meltdown, the vibes are incredibly bad. But on the flip side, Bryce, is that the biggest win in Detroit history? Oh, definitely not. I mean, they've won playoff games before I was born, <laughs> so those are bigger wins. I mean, I think anytime you beat Patrick Mahomes, you're definitely happy about it. Um, I I think people shouldn't jump the gun on hyping the Lions because they didn't have Chris Jones. They didn't have Travis Kelsey. Uh, the receivers had an absolute meltdown. Uh, a lot of stuff went right 
for the Lions to win that game. Um, again, anytime you beat Patrick Mahomes, you take it. But uh, I don't think that game should be a referendum necessarily on the Lions or the Chiefs, considering the circumstances. Yeah, that was a really weird game, and no Kelsey obviously helps. I was surprised at uh, the continued drops. It was the perfect storm, right? But you'll you'll take a win as a big Lions fan. So on that subject, for those who don't know, Bryce likes caffeine, enjoys caffeine. So do I. And so does Dan Campbell. So we're basically the same person. Would you run through a wall for Dan Campbell and more importantly, more analytically, I mean, he's done a great job, right, for Detroit, or do you disagree? No, I agree. I mean, if I was physically capable of running through a wall for Dan Campbell and he asked me to, I would. Um, he's, I, I know he got made fun of a lot for the biting the kneecaps stuff in his introductory podcast, and he seems like kind of a meathead, but uh, he comes across as somebody who's genuine, and he gets it, and uh, it seems that he connects really well with his players, and... I think his players also probably appreciate his faith in them. Um, like with the fourth down aggression and stuff like that. Um, he came on board when the franchise was not in a great spot and uh, he's been in it to win it the whole time he's been there. Um, so uh, I really like Dan Campbell. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, I hope he's the coach there for a long time because the Matt Patricia days were uh, not something I want to go back to. Uh, so when you when you have a, a coach who cares about his players and <clears throat> does everything he can to put them in positions to succeed, you want him to stick around? Absolutely. Yeah, and obviously Seattle, the beneficiaries of Matt Patricia with uh, acquiring Quandre Diggs for so cheap and then getting quality uh, starting free safety play out of him for so many years when it just seemed like an absolute mess. And uh, yeah, the the... Uh, authenticity of Campbell just shines through. I, you know, it's a kind of weird press conference, but he has his team playing like they're going to bite kneecaps. Um, and we'll talk about how physical this defense is. Uh, and just on the offensive side as well, physicality. And ultimately, you know, you can you can say all these things in the press conference and it can seem a bit weird, but he's he's kind of proving it with the results so far. Okay. So, while you're high on the head coach, there's a certain uh, few factors with Detroit which is uh, less impressive. You described uh, in the SIS Off The Charts podcast, which is, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, hosted by Matt Manacharian, who's also a Sports Info Solutions, and like Bryce is a, a really like top guy, really good guy. Um, and, and it's an excellent podcast. You described that the over 9.5 line for Lions wins on the 2023 season was a very risky proposition. Uh, that was obviously a preseason podcast, but what, why did you say that? I think it comes down to two things for me. The first is that I'm not a big believer in Jared Goff, just full stop. Um, I know that he's uh, been very productive for them the past 18 games and counting. Um, has gone really long without throwing an interception. I get that. I also think we've done this song and dance with Jared Goff before when he was with the Rams, um, where a quality supporting cast and a good offensive coordinator have enabled him to succeed. I think 
I mean, he's fine. Uh, he's a win with guy. I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think he elevates the team in a way, uh, in any way. Um, and when everything is like perfect and it's seven on seven, uh, he looks as good as any starter in the league, pretty much. I but when things break down, when there's pressure, when he has to create, um, when he has to throw into tight windows, it I think all that stuff is a bit lacking. Um, and I'm I'm somebody that is big on like betting on quarterbacks, essentially. Um, so it's always hard for me to bank on double digit wins for a team with a subpar quarterback, unless it's a situation like San Francisco where the quarterback's subpar, but the play caller is a genius and every other position on the roster is absolutely loaded. Um, and that's not the case with Detroit. Um, the offensive line is good. Uh, I like their skill position guys. The defense is, I think, iffy. So part of it is probably some PTSD from being a Lions fan for so many years that I'm like, eh, I don't think they can get double digit wins, especially because they do have a, they do have a pretty easy schedule, but uh, golf gives me pause and the defense gives me pause. Yeah. I mean, it's understandable. And I know Seahawks fans who watched golf with the Rams for so many years and, and watched th- those brilliant circumstances around him. Like you said, it is very much you, you win with him, but because of it's very, very rare that he elevates a team. And we saw that in week one, didn't we? Where oh, that was right, right by the skin of the teeth that they won that game. And ultimately, golf was a problem. Like, And it was reflected by how Ben Johnson, I, I want to talk about both play callers later, but how Ben Johnson called plays for him in certain situations and then Goff's misses and all of his throws being in that classic 15-yard kind of window, uh, peppering over the middle of the field. Uh, it, Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. Um, and Seattle's had up and down success against him, but but ultimately I think that they'll come into more problems if you know their pass rush remains uh, as stagnant as it was in week one. Um, but as soon as they can move Goff off the spot... Um, and if they're able to maintain their run defense, which again, that's a question mark with how talented Detroit is up front, they should cause problems uh, for Jared Goff. Uh, so that's understandable that you had, uh, you described that as a very risky proposition. I, I think I agree with you. Although as a Lions fan, you, you, you might be able to believe it, it, it could all come together. <laughs> it could. I just, I'll, I'll never put faith in this team. Yeah. And I know, Bryce, uh, you, you love soccer and all things British. Uh, as a Newcastle United fan, I can empathise with, uh, you know, doomed or pained NFL franchises. So I have no idea what you're talking about right no, now. No, 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 it's fine. It's just a, it's just a thing, it's just a minor thing. Uh, ben Johnson, that's the offensive coordinator. And I uh, think like league-wide his uh, reputation seems to be increasing and increasing uh he seems to do really cool stuff like the they're quite siloed from from my perspective where they are you know th- there's a very distinct kind of drop back element to them then a very distinct okay now we're in our under center packages and, and we're going to run the football which i guess is kind of mcveigh like do you agree with the hype for, for Ben Johnson before we kind of get delve into the, the offensive scheme? Yeah, I like Ben Johnson. I think the archetype for 
like up and coming offensive play callers now is there's supposed to be like this like pristine boy genius guy who is designing crazy plays. I don't think Ben Johnson's that. I think I think the run game design is really good and I think he's very good at uh playing to his player strengths. Um he's good at getting his best players the ball. Uh he accommodates Jared Goff in terms of what they do in the drop back game, which is like very cliched. Every every coach is like we're gonna you know, we're gonna let the players play and we're going to put our best guys on the field and we're going to get our playmakers, the ball and all that shit. Um, but Ben Johnson actually does it. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. That's what strikes me as yeah, as well is, uh, the best players get, get the plays, uh, and he kind of calls the hits and they're, they're the hits for a reason. Now Seattle's run defense has been massively improved like massively improved, although it's a week one sample and they couldn't stop anything to do with the pass. Uh, so how much that's actually real from a 2.2 yards per carry against the Rams, I is, is to be determined, especially when the Rams are, you know, they were 11 personnel heavy in that game. They're, you know, running wide zone, not they're sprinkling in a bit more gap concepts, but not like massively. So, but uh, when it comes to Detroit, that's going to be a heavy personnel run game with, um, you know, 22 personnel, 21 personnel kind of two back looks, right? So, I mean, I don't know how much you've watched Seattle, but are you confident that Detroit is going to be able to run the football more successfully than 2.2 yards per carry? Yeah, but that's that's a really low bar. I think, um, yeah. like you said, Detroit will get into heavy personnel stuff, but they'll, they'll mix it up. Like, they'll, they'll run... Uh, gun power. They'll run buck sweep. Um, they they'll do all sorts of stuff. Uh, they obviously, like you said, under center, they are run heavier. But uh, I think they, in general, do a very good job of being able to get into all the different stuff they do, regardless of the personnel grouping or the formation. Um, and in some of the heavier stuff, they're. Uh, they are doing a lot of moving parts runs, counter power. Um, they uh, they like to get the tight ends moving if it's like split zone or inserting, um, doing stuff like GY counter and all that crazy stuff. Um, but uh, they they definitely can get to what they want to do out of out of shotgun out of eleven personnel, um, especially because. Uh, they have three linemen who are like exceptional movers, like Frank Ragnow, very good on the move. Panay Sewell, very good on the move. Jonah Jackson, uh, to a lesser extent than those two, but also pretty athletic. Um, so they can get to the the moving parts stuff uh, out of anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I was very impressed with how Seattle, uh, uh, you know, coped with what the Rams are doing, uh, and I think the Rams' offensive line is better than they're perceived from most people presented by t-mobile the official wireless partner of odyssey sports with an awesome network and great savings there's never been a better time to join t-mobile visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. But it's just the whole, and I, you know, I, I like their answers. I, I think they have enough wrinkles up front when they're facing those kind of eleven personal attacks. It's just, you know, that the, and I appreciate the Lions are going to do that too, as you've said. But it's the heavier stuff, and then the kind of uh, passing game off that, like the the play action, uh, the boots, and stuff that Goff can throw um, and and will throw. That makes me nervous, and maybe it's because we haven't seen it. Belie- uh, I... Seeing is believing. I don't know. Like the the Lions play action game is not that complex. Like a lot of what they do from play action, especially under center, is like a deep over route, like a dig or a deep cross and a post. Whether it's like guys coming from the same side or coming from opposite sides, um, they do a lot of that. Their boot game is almost entirely like flood. Um, Jared Goff loves flood, whether it's play action or drop back. Um, I mean, they mix it up sometimes. They'll do like deep curls, but most of it is just like seven-man protection shot plays, and that's primarily what you're going to get out of them in the play-action game. But that's slightly reassuring. Fingers crossed. But with, with Seattle, uh, <laughs> it's famous last words. Um, so, in terms of the passing game, though, I did see, and I know that, like how um, you know that. The, that Goff moved the ball with the Rams, the drop back game has similarities to that period, which that's not a surprise, right? And and like most of the league is kind of copying uh, how teams stack and then, you know, run like a dig with a, a hit through in front of it. Oh, or, they like, love they Detroit loves that stuff. Like Goff loves throwing the dig. They'll they'll run drive with the, the dig and the shallow crosser under it. They'll run um, they'll run it with a curl under it. They'll do it like three man with three on a up the seam and two on a curl, one on a dig. Um, Goff in general, like really likes those high lows, um, whether it's over the middle or outside, like they, they spam smash too. Um, and, and the different variants of it. Um, I think those two are probably like their, their bread and butter concepts is, is smash. And then some type of, uh, middle of the field, high low. Yeah. Um, and if you know from a Seahawks perspective, that is terrifying because <laughs> against the Rams, McVay put on a clinic of you know bunched and stacked receivers. And this is my charting, not Sports Info Solutions. Is uh, in case you know I don't want to conflate the two. But uh, when Seattle was uh, facing stacked or bunched together receivers, now that could be their you know just two of them stacked together. That could be uh, their trips bunch, or it could be their motioning into being condensed at the snap. Uh, 
151 of the Rams' 331 passing yards arrived in those situations, 11 of 24 at Stafford's completions, 5 of 11 of the third down conversions, and 4 of the 8 explosive plays came from those stuff. And obviously, as you've just said, <laughs> those golf concepts are mainly going to be from those condensed sets. Like I saw, you know, Kansas City give up a few of those in, in the gun drop back game, right? Yeah. Um, is, is Seattle mainly getting to like tight bear fronts versus no. those condensed? No. I'm no. Interested. So Seattle this season, like I, I've only half charted it, but they were basically 100% 245 personnel over front. And what they're doing from that, which is cool, is the uh, th they have like movement answers. The outside backers know when to spike inside and spill the ball to uh, sky safety if it's cover three. Uh, they know when to, you know, how to set an edge when and where their help is. And the same thing is uh, reflected along the front. They also have movements and like fire zones to kind of move the weak point, uh, attack certain run concepts and the play actions off that, the variants off that. So they have a really, really good plan for stopping the run out of that. The problems uh, weren't because they made like schematic concessions uh, versus the pass, uh, you know, to, to improve their run defense. The problems were mainly on third down. So uh, they, this is very painful. Uh, like third downs, eight, like passing downs or like pass run downs? Yeah, passing downs. Third and four plus, they were abysmal, like absolutely abysmal. Um, I, I believe uh, seven of 11, I think it was, third down conversions. They were third and four plus. One of them was a, a you know tendency-breaking run play against dime personnel where uh, Bobby Wagner, who we may be able to talk about, he uh, kind of was a bit slow to it, thinking pass. But the rest were these stacked things and destroying man coverage, destro uh, destroying middle field open zone, uh, Seattle, the way they were playing, quarters having the, the quarter flat player chase the flat route, opening the dig window with, a, a, with the dig uh, versus an off cover four corner because of the stack, and then an off safety who can't really drive on an eight-yard dig if he's a quarter safety. It was terrifying and so it's a great chance it from a positive perspective uh from a seattle perspective it's a great chance for them to right the wrongs of that game because i believe detroit style generally well that's not fair but detroit are going to run the ball right and if they stop the run uh, seattle how they want to play football is stop the run to then get off the field on third down and stop the pass and they were unable to do that against the rams but they're going to face similar passing concepts in those passing downs so, again, I am hopeful. I am hopeful. See, that's that's how they get you. Hope. Yep, it's the hope that kills you. So, in terms of the Lions' uh, defense, Bryce, uh, I mean, that Kansas City game, I don't know how representative it was because you're facing Patrick Mahomes, uh, like, schematically, even performance-wise. There's just a lot of things going on there where... Yeah, I just I just don't know. Like they played so much zone, and then the, it's a hacky broadcast take, literally. But they were saying they would expect them to play more man coverage. I mean, is that true? The expected Detroit play more man coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean they don't they don't really have the horses in the secondary to play still man a ton. Still, yeah, still. <clears throat> I mean, they're they're starting Jerry Jacobs. Um, I, I don't think Detroit's a team that you can... I mean, it's the NFL. Like, we're talking about the best in the world. Guys, I mean, for a good chunk of snaps every game, like, teams are going to line up and play man and uh, play one-on-one. -on -one. Um, 
but relative to the rest of the NFL, I'd expect them to be zone heavier this year just because of their personnel. Um, I, I just maybe you could expect more man from them against the Chiefs because like the Chiefs receivers aren't great, um, especially with Kelsey out. But I would I would think um, with all things being equal, they'd they'd be more zone. Like especially yeah. against Seattle, like uh, Metcalf, Lockett, Smith and Jigba, all those guys are healthy, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, Lockett I left the game with a um, uh, you know, they they wondered if he had a concussion, but he got evaluated and then returned to the game. So yeah, all those guys are healthy, other than uh, Smith and Jigba's dealing with a, a wrist injury, but you know he, he's he's expected to play. Yeah, I I don't think I don't like to charge chances that they want to just line up and play man against those guys for the majority of the steps. I don't, I don't think you can do that again. It's the NFL. You can't just not play man, but um, they're, they're going to have to, um, if they're going to be a good defense this year, they're going to have to play zone and they're going to have to get pressure up front. Um, I, now easier said than done, but I think that's probably the recipe for them moving forward. Yeah, because last year the defense was a uh, it had real struggles early, right? And then it oh they were just like they were on they were on track to be like a historically bad defense, right? The and then they the kind of recovered to being like bottom ten. Yeah, they were they were like close to average right. the last uh, the last half of the season. I probably still below average, but they weren't they weren't horrible. Were you surprised that? I mean, I know uh, Dan Campbell is fond of Aaron Glenn, former Pete Carroll first round uh, cornerback, by the way, Aaron Glenn with the New York Jets. But now he's the defensive coordinator. Were you surprised that he survived or? Not really, because, uh, again, um, they kind of turned things around in the second half of the year. And they just they don't have the horses, man. Like um, it'd be one thing if if they were a really talented defense and uh they just weren't getting it done i could see uh him getting clipped but all things considered especially with the improvement in the second half it doesn't surprise me they kept him around yeah so considering the defensive backs haven't made i mean chauncey gardner johnson's a cool pickup right uh brian branch i know safety values are much discussed uh, exhausted topic. Personally, I feel safeties are if you know if you're deploying them in a in a good way. Like look at how, where football's heading, or has kind of gone to getting a good safety like that. Whatever the forty he ran is really valuable. But there is a discussional where I'm going with this is there is a discussion over positional value in Detroit. And given the DB room, you know you you mentioned a guy I I hadn't heard of before. <laughs> Uh, what was your reaction to general manager Brad Holmes drafting running back Jameer Gibbs in the first round and then linebacker Jack Campbell? Um, because it sounds like, you know, th- there was some interesting cornerbacks on in the first round, wasn't there? And, you know, is this part of just being a Dan Campbell team or is this a Holmes thing as well? I don't know. I mean, I'm not in the building, so I don't know. I didn't like, I didn't like taking Gibbs where they took him. Uh, the Campbell pick also surprised me. Um, again, not super high value positions. I think with linebacker, I will say the caveat is if you get like a really good guy back there, like 
Fred Warner or like prime Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Take, take one highly in the draft all day. Like you can take mm. one top 10. I don't care. Um, but I didn't think Campbell was that. And the Gibbs thing was, I, I understand what they were going for with Gibbs. Cause like they, they liked Deandre Swift's skill set. Um, but he was never a hundred percent. Um, they may not have trusted him too much with ball security. Um, and Gibbs can emulate a lot of that stuff. Um, especially like the choice routes coming out of the backfield, uh, the gadget plays. I mean, you saw them uh, running him on like jet motion uh, versus the chiefs. Uh, and he's a player that can uh, have like 10, 15 touches a game. Uh, and you can get a lot of mileage out of that, but, where they took him, it's a little rich for my taste. Yeah, I thought it was cool seeing how Gibbs and also Bijan Robinson were used in, you know, th- their manufacturing touches for them. And again, it kind of speaks to what you're saying about how uh, Johnson is getting the ball to people um, and, and sort of has a plan clearly going in that these guys need to touch the ball so many times, which, and, and then being able to execute that is, is impressive. I think against Seattle, getting him, you know, if, if there's a way to get him matched up on Bobby Wagner, uh, uh, and I'm sure there are, then that's the thing to do, and that's going to be a problem thing for them. But yeah, the the Campbell thing, like I I thought he had some interesting tape. I, I didn't really like him for Seattle because he has he had short arms and and he you know I know he ran a slow forty, but in in l- wider longer spaces which Seattle asked their linebackers to do at times, he was just a bit too slow. Um, he just didn't feel like a good fit, but as a downhill hit guys, take on blockers, get to his gap. Like he, he had all of that, but in the first round, it, it did feel um, rich, especially when that they, they have those, uh, those corners, as you said. Yeah. And they might have a, and to your point about like uh, playing against the run, Detroit seems to have a thing for defenders who, uh, who are good in pursuit and motor to the ball. Like um, Aiden Hutchinson is like a huge example of this. Like, very, very try hard high motor player. Um, Brian Branch is kind of similar from the secondary. Chauncey Gardner Johnson is similar. Um, Anzalone, for all his flaws, uh, is is fairly rangy, um, and they're good about that. Like they rally to the ball, so maybe there there was something about that that made them value him more than other teams did. Um, I know there was smoke after the draft that like other teams were going to steal him if Detroit didn't take him. I don't know if that's credible or not. Cause you hear stuff like that every year, but I, I, I understand it. I don't agree with it, but I, I kind of see what they were going for with both those picks. Yeah. The other thing with Gibbs actually is Seattle, you know, Pete Carroll, obviously he's going to be positive in the lead up to a game, but the way he spoke this week made me think he was there, the running back that they wanted to kind of in the second round, you know, if they, if he'd lasted that long, uh, Obviously, they ended up with Zach Charbonnet, but Charbonnet isn't that typical Seattle back. They're always looking to draft a guy who can hit it, uh, especially if it's in top 50 picks. The guy who can hit it, bang, like explosive home run threat, and Gibbs has got that in him. Charbonnet is never really quite going to be that. So, it's Is Kenneth, Kenneth Walker's healthy, right? Correct. Yeah. He, well, he was dealing with a groin uh, injury. But I don't know. He... Kenneth Walker is like a, I think he'll be a top 10 guy in no time. Like I, th- I think he's a big play guy. Like, I, he's not fast, but like the, 
the elusive. Yeah, he's their the, home run hitter. Yeah. I mean, yeah. part of his problem is he's always kind of searching that out. Um, well, that's anecdotal, but he's often looks to be searching out the home run threat, and it led to some really poor inefficiency from him last year. Now, the offensive line is part of that too, but you know, there's there's times where he's missing uh, missing blocks, missing the the designs direction of the play to try and hunt out the big play and and it doesn't come off this past game he didn't follow his pull around looked like he had a touchdown tried to cut it uh back where it's a gap run you got to hit that front side tried to cut it back and you know ended up with three yards when it could have been so much better but i think uh, that's a problem for a lot of young backs though like yeah coming i don't know what happened in in the rams game like i didn't full disclosure i didn't watch uh, the seahawks rams tape before i jumped on here but um like first year guys are going from being like one of the best to ever play at their schools, like best athlete on the field to now you're in the NFL and everybody's a good athlete. You can't get away with some of the stuff you did uh, in college in terms of the creativity and the freelancing. Um, but I think long-term Walker will be uh, a good, a good bag for you guys. Yeah. So the scary thing for Seattle heading into this Detroit matchup is both their offensive tackles are currently, well, I don't know their official status, but they're doubtful to play, I would say, given Charles Cross uh, suffered an injury to his big toe, left the game on a cart and on the left side, and is I've heard is described as week-to-week, like they need to look closer to the game to see how he's doing, to see if he can play, and it's going to be an ongoing thing. Abraham Lucas on the right side also left the game, uh, didn't get carted off, was on the sidelines with his helmet off, but he uh, suffered um, from an, a knee soreness that he'd been nursing all the way through. Like At the start of training camp, they, they kept him limited, and this knee thing is bothering him, and Carroll said how it's preventing him from firing off the line of scrimmage properly. Now, I don't know much about Detroit's pass rushes other than Aiden Hutchinson, which uh, is a guy, okay, he's a first-round pick and a, a top-five pick? He was the second overall pick. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he he's forced down my throat though. Like the announcers. Oh, the call to personality is terrible. Yeah, so uh, like speak like to his that, parents yeah. being mic'd up at the game is so weird. Weird. Um, weird. and even like the the pre-draft stuff. I know you had some uh some takes uh around around that as well. How it's just it, I I don't recall a prospect being this kind of yeah cult of personality as you said. Yeah, and. I think uh, I think this has been exacerbated by the fact that he's like the hometown kid. Um, obviously, went to Michigan, grew up in Michigan, um, so that's a big part of the reason Lions fan love him. I I joke about him a lot in, on Twitter because I like to give Lions fans shit. Um, he's a good player. Like coming out, I don't. Uh, again, uh, not going to walk anything back. Like I thought two was too high for him i don't i don't think he's uh i don't think he's going to be like a transcendental pass rusher like i don't see him being uh 15 16 sacks a year guy um but i mean he's a he's a solid player um he uh he should be productive for them uh over the course of his rookie contract at least i would think um just not uh i thought i thought his testing didn't uh, match his tape. Like, I don't, I don't think he's particularly bendy, um, but he's, he's good with his hands. And like I said, just as he is in the run game, like a high motor player, um, a lot of his, a lot of his production, like the first half of the year 
was largely just like tryharding, um, like second effort sacks on uh, good coverage plays. Um, he he started to get like some legitimate wins uh, down the stretch, uh, which was encouraging. Um, and he looked pretty good against Kansas City too. Um, I know Jawan Taylor is not like Lane Johnson uh, as far as right tackles go, but uh, he, he looked pretty good against Kansas City. Um, but I don't think he's like a world eater, at least not at this stage. I'd love him to prove me wrong, but <clears throat> we'll yeah. see. But it certainly seems like he'll be an issue if uh, if Jake Curhan is out there, even if the broadcast makes it their, their um, priority to keep talking about how the offensive tackle isn't lined up with his uh, head down the, what is it, the 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 midriff of the center, right? The midriff? Yeah. I've never heard that. I've never the waist. The helmet has I've, the I've never, the... I mean, I, I know, I'm familiar with the word, like the definition of the word. I've never heard it in, in a football context. Okay. Um, not to say it's not a thing. I just, I have no idea what you're talking about. But the the broadcast kept going on about it, and I just that like, it happens every single NFL game. All tackles do it, and then the the moving. Oh, oh, you're talking about when they were like the alignment. Yeah, like how far back? Man, yeah, that shit's so stupid. Because the people I tweeted this, but the people who are complaining about that kind of stuff and like harp on it would be so upset if they enforced that rule because. Quarterbacks would get sacked like five times a game. <laughs> like NFL pass rushers are like running four fives nowadays. Those those guys need to be they they need a little bit of buffer. And and everybody everybody coaches that way. Like the you're you're essentially gonna line up on on the hip of the guy to the inside of you. And it's always gonna be a little bowed, like Yeah, I just couldn't like, believe again, it speaks to the Hutchinson thing, because I don't think if it's any other player they they even talk about that, but because because uh, Hutch's parents are mics up, suddenly that that takes over the broadcast. But yeah, and Hutch is like the PFF podcast, and Collinsworth is is obviously PFF, so maybe that has something to do with it too. I don't know. In in this podcast, we we're not affiliated with any data company, but I am a fan of SIS, who obviously Bryce works for. Now, the uh, one I I do want to while while we're talking about pass rushers the. the Again, I don't. I don't think Detroit has like a a world eater kind of pass rusher this year, but they have they have some interesting guys. Um, James Houston, uh, who uh, is exclusively a pass down player, like you you can't they they won't play him on par downs, but um, is a a very interesting like undersized speed rusher. Um, had really good production after missing like the first two-thirds of the year last year. Um. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. 
It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. He he can be a force on pass downs. And then the other two guys that I think are kind of interesting, John Kaminsky, um, who is, he's got like a, He's got like a weird body type. He's like 6'5", 280. So he, he'd probably be more of like a like an odd front five tech uh, than a true edge guy or like a defensive tackle. But they, they'll put him uh, they'll put him along the interior, even on the edge, um, on passing downs. And he's he's a pretty good athlete, um, especially for his size. And he can uh, he can pose some matchup problems. And then uh, Aleem McNeil. Uh, he's a nose tackle, so like, you're not expecting nose tackles to be like explosive pass rushers. But as far as like a guy who's like, what is he listed at? Like 340. I'm gonna look this up. See what they. What he's they a big guy. He is. He is a big human being. Um, they haven't listed at 315. That's bullshit. He's way better. Okay. Than that. Anyway, um, sorry. Am I not supposed to swear on this? No, you can swear. Do whatever you okay, want. Okay, okay. Um, You're the VIP. But he, uh, I'm not a VIP. Um, he moves really well for his size, and uh, he's he's pretty quick. Uh, he can give centers some problems um, if he yeah, gets I... the opportunity to just line up and go. Um, but well, that'll be a good test for former Detroit Lion Evan Brown as the center. Oh yeah, he is the center, isn't he? There you go. Uh, the, I expect Seattle, I mean, it sounds like they're going to have problems with the, I mean, when you're down to your second string tackles and you're not facing, I mean, the Arizona Cardinals pass rush, you're going to have issues, but those are some interesting names. I imagine Seattle is going to use even more empty than they already do and to try and, uh, compensate for some of that and pick on, Alex Anzalone or uh, you can you can pick on those linebackers in quick game, yeah for sure like if you can spread it out empty and like start running like slants or stick at them and make them make them cover slots or even right uh, even tight ends like you can you can get some matchups there although I did pick on Jack Campbell's athleticism earlier but I remember he did run a six seven four seconds three cone <laughs> which is pretty impressive at 249 pounds. I don't I don't believe in three cone times anymore, man. <laughs> like the the there's something with these athletic trainers where all these guys you watch their tape and they look like average NFL athletes like which he, still like, hey, he, really he athletic, directed like, right on that um pass breakup he had. That, that was okay, that was good. That was good, yep. but you didn't see a lot of that uh, on his college film. No. That that it was a three cone, one of those where it makes you rewatch and you're like, hmm, interesting. And yeah, speaks to those athletic trainers. Okay, what's your perception of the Seahawks from from a someone who's not a maniac like Griff and I, someone who doesn't delve into the real nitty gritty or or really care about Seattle? Uh, what is your perception of them, and how has Week One changed it at all? Like I said, um, I didn't watch the film and, and see what happened in the Rams game. Uh, I didn't think the Rams were going to be very good this year. So Same. I think uh, 
losing to them like they did like just looking at like the scoreboard uh is a little disheartening um but uh i think there's stuff to like about them um especially if gino continues uh playing like he did last year um tyler lockett's getting older but he's nice uh dk metcalf uh somewhat limited in in certain areas but uh, when it comes to like running down the field or and running away from people uh, on crossers, like very good at that. Um, and then I like I like Smith and Jigba coming out. Uh, I really like the tackles, um, especially because they're so young. Um, I think those guys are are ascending players. And uh, why is Tariq Woolen? His name was escaping me for a second. Uh, I think he was, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, from what I saw of him last year, he was kind of hit and miss. Like, I don't, I don't think he's like a lockdown guy yet. That's fair. But, but the movement skills are crazy. The ball skills are really good. Um, so I think he's somebody to get excited about for them. Um, the Bobby Wagner reunion makes me sad because I don't, I don't think, uh, uh, on, on I don't Bobby know. Wagner, this is not this is not like the farewell tour that uh, Bobby Wagner deserves. He was like no, one of the I, best players in the league, not just at, at his position, but at any position for such a long time. And so uh, I mentioned the the SIS off the charts podcast. I loved uh, in the off season. You guys did a um, scouts versus stats series, uh, which was in audio format. But there's also articles of it online. Which oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How I remembered this, but so the 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 stats guys, the the data nerds. Uh, Bryce wasn't on that side, but they had Bobby Wagner coming in as their fourth best linebacker. Um, and Bryce uh, and, and the scouts, uh, it was him and Matt Manacharian who I mentioned earlier, they pushed back on that heavily. So it's not just Griff and I who watch Bobby Wagner's tape and are like, eh. <laughs> I've got nothing but respect for Bobby Wagner. Like, again, was one of the best players in the league for a very long time. Uh, very much uh, a blueprint for the ideal modern linebacker he, it's just that's not what he is anymore man like you watch him to like try to robot a dig nowadays it's it's like if you if you put it up on a, on a side by side like him trying to like turn around and run uh and cut a crosser this year versus like even like four years ago it's a th- totally different player yeah well the lions are six points favorites in this game for for a reason uh, I've seen it as high as six points. And, you know, part of that is the offensive tackles and part of that is how Seattle absolutely crapped uh, the bed. Uh, we can't, I can't pin all of that on Bobby Wagner, but I have to say that last game was, uh, you know, watching the film, it, it was pretty sad. Even though, again, why uh, data nerds, he scores quite highly. It's because he's not generally asked much to do. Uh, and the way that those things are graded usually, and I, I think there was a much more nuanced uh better explain point on on that podcast i referenced about about this uh, it just doesn't really translate in a way that Char- it, it's really hard to capture uh coverage performance for linebackers and safeties like it's really hard um corners it's not necessarily easy either and i think that sort of bears out in the fact that uh statistical performance from corners is typically very noisy um so there are definitely areas of opportunity in terms of statistical analysis for evaluating coverage in general, but 
for linebackers and safeties especially, it's it's really hard to quantify uh, how those guys impact the passing game. It's very difficult. Yeah. Well, Bryce, thank you so much for doing this. Please do check out Bryce on Twitter at BT Roster. Like I said, he is a, a very uh, amusing follow, but also there's occasionally occasionally some of his uh, day job stuff, which which leaks out there too. Check out Sports Info Solutions, where Bryce does his work. Uh, Bryce, do you have anything else you would like to promote? No. 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 Nobody okay. paid me to, to promote anything. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Please do like and subscribe to the show. Download it. Follow me at Matty F. Brown. Uh, comment in the YouTube if, you're, if you've enjoyed this episode, enjoyed Bryce, um, uh, and do uh, like the video as well. Thank you very much, and have a good rest of your day slash evening slash morning slash whatever. <laughs>